lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. We are live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and then... Of course, there's all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email the show, Steve, at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. And then look for Steve Dace on MeWe, Gab, and yes, Parlor has returned. Just to let you know, you got to get a new app and re-log into the website. Uh, but it is back. It is updating as we speak. And it looks sleek. It looks sharp. So... Parlor has returned, and that means I need to tell you it's P-A-R-L-E-R. Otherwise, I'll get 30 emails from people saying, I looked for the Parlor app in the store, and I couldn't find it because it's spelled differently. P-A-R-L-E-R. We have an absolutely jam-packed show lined up for you today, including an exclusive coming up at the bottom of this hour. We have found him. Apparently... He is the only cake baker in the city of Denver. The only one. I I was just as shocked to learn this truth as all of you were. Having been to Denver a few times, gorgeous city, by the way. Very large metropolitan area. Have either one of you ever been to Denver before? Multiple times. Okay. Wouldn't it seem as if there's like, I don't know. A lot more than at least one baker there in, in Denver, Colorado. And having also been to Boulder, Colorado, I'm quite certain there's probably a baker there that's up the alley. Of I think you're confusing being baked with uh, bakers. Maybe. maybe. You know, um, maybe. I think you're, you're talking about the Rocky Mountain Way there, uh, Joe Walsh. We're talking about um, stuff you put in the oven. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Okay. But uh, apparently, poor Jack is the only cake baker in all of Denver. And so we're going to talk to him at the bottom of the hour. How does it feel to really be a trailblazer in such a large metropolitan city and all the varying business that that attracts? And I'm sure it comes with a lot of peace, tranquility, and prosperity. So we will be talking to Jack the Colorado, the only Denver, Colorado cake baker at the bottom of the hour. Another day, another Fauci lie. So, of course, it's good timing with fake news or not. Coming up next hour, we will continue our series delving into our best-selling book, Fauci and Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. And then Pop Culture Tuesday Here's a question I never thought I'd ask. I've been saying that a lot recently. I never thought we'd say this. I never thought I'd contemplate that, right? Let's do it again today. This is seriously up for debate. Otherwise, we wouldn't wouldn't discuss it. Has Dave Portnoy, likable but crude, a man that has essentially, was it suffice to call him the R-rated Joe Rogan, although Joe Rogan's fairly R-rated. Um, I would say the R-rated, what's um, the guy out of Nashville? Uh, out, Clay Travis? Outkick. Yeah, Clay Travis. Clay Travis, okay, yeah. that's a good analogy. All right, the, the R-rated Clay Travis, has he done more against COVID tyranny and to help people suffering from COVID tyranny? 
has he and his organization done more in the last year than the entire Christian church in America has? Uh Uh-oh. How about the fact that's when I when I when I posited that to you guys yesterday for a pop culture Tuesday topic after the program? How much pushback from you two did I get? Zero. Zero. We, we how long of a discussion did we have? We didn't. It was about three seconds, and that's how long it took each of you to say, "Oh yeah, I think that's I said, a good topic." It. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. I, I I'm kind of thinking that's not awesome. No. You? No. No. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I've, you know, who knows after the last few years, if my instincts are now fried mm-hmm. as well, I'm asking questions. I'm internally debating with myself, whether I'm better off fighting big government than big business. I'm frankly a mess right now. So I'm not entirely sure um, if my instincts are still working as well as they used to, but at least from this vantage point, it appears it's a debatable question. We'll get into that and what that may or may not mean coming up later in the program with Pop Culture Tuesday. But before we do, of course, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the great unifier, Joe Biden. Ultimately, those who are not vaccinated will end up paying the price. Meanwhile, the masks continue to come off in more ways than one. I am now much more comfortable in in people seeing me indoors without a mask. I mean... Before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. But being a fully vaccinated person, the chances of my getting infected in an indoor setting is extremely low. By the way, this is what Fauci said just two months ago under oath before Congress. What studies do you have that people that have had the vaccine yeah. or have had the infection are spreading the infection? If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? No, it's not. You had the vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Let's get down to the facts. As we noted yesterday, though, that's not stopping the Branch Covidian cult from doing their thing. MSNBC's Mika Brzezinski. If you want to follow the science, then there are times you need to still wear the mask. I am working with a team here, and there is one person on the team who is not vaccinated. I'm wearing a mask around that person. In completely unrelated news, here's a recent photo of the two most powerful U.S. government health officials, Drs. Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci, outside wearing a mask post-vaccination. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is Francis Collins is Mika, Mika is Anthony Fauci, Anthony Fauci is Francis Collins. It's science, it's settled. In case you needed more evidence, the vaccine is a proto-version of the Mark of the Beast. Turn your eyes to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, where the famous Christ the Redeemer statue, which stands on a 2,300-foot mountain peak above the city, was emblazoned recently with a projection across the depiction of the Savior's arms reading, Vaccine Saves. Back at the White House, PBS News's Yamishi Alcindor, a person of color, asked this question in the White House press room 
while not wearing a mask. The largest national nurses union is saying that the CDC guidelines on masks is putting frontline workers and especially people of color at risk. What's the White House's stance on that union in particular saying that they're, they're members and people of color are at risk? At least one major American state is not letting up on its mask mandate, New Jersey, where Governor Phil Murphy says, We're just not ready yet. Daily defiance, we head to New Jersey, where Nick said he attended a Yankees game recently after forging a vaccination card. He said he was the only one in the stadium and on the subway without a mask as well. Meanwhile, another win for Team Neanderthal. It's been two months since Joe Biden slammed Texas for quote-unquote Neanderthal thinking for removing its mask mandate. In that time, cases and deaths from the virus have plummeted in Texas, with the state yesterday reporting zero COVID deaths. Speaking of Texas, they became the 21st state and the largest state to end their participation in federal COVID unemployment benefits, forfeiting a potential $9 billion of federal money. They join almost every other red state in the country doing so. In other news, the Supreme Court yesterday unanimously ruled that Rhode Island police officers acted illegally when they seized a man's guns without a warrant. Edward Coniglia of Cranston, Rhode Island, sued the city after police officers located and seized his guns while he was in the hospital for mental health wellness check. He argued the seizure violated his Fourth Amendment rights, though two federal courts ruled against him. The Supreme Court unanimously ruled in his favor. The Supreme Court also announced yesterday they'll be taking up the case of a Mississippi state law banning baby killing after 15 weeks gestation. The law was deemed unconstitutional by lower courts. When the high court hears the case, it'll be the most significant challenge to Roe v. Wade of this generation. Checking back in on Israel, where rockets continue to be launched by the terrorist group Hamas at targets in Israel. Israel's Iron Dome defense system continues to operate valiantly, as you can see from this stunning photo from Israel over the weekend, depicting a barrage of terrorist rockets being met by an equal barrage of Iron Dome rockets. Headline from the Washington Post, Israel's Iron Dome defense system protects Israeli lives. It also perpetuates the Israel-Gaza conflict. Speaking of the media, the IDF destroyed a building that was shared by the news organizations Associated Press and Al Jazeera. Oh, another tenant in the building was Hamas, so there's that. Moving on to cancel culture, a Spanish politician was booted off Twitter for saying the following, quote, A man cannot get pregnant because they have no uterus or eggs. A commanding officer in the Space Force has been fired after decrying creeping Marxism within the ranks of the military. Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer, commander of the 11th Space Warning Squadron at Buckley Air Force Base, Colorado, was relieved from his post Friday by Lieutenant General Stephen Whiting, the head of the Space Operations Command, over a loss of confidence in his ability to lead. Earlier this month, Lohmeyer, a former instructor and fighter pilot, self-published a book titled Irresistible Revolution, Marxism's Goal of Conquest and the Unmaking of the American Military. After Lohmeyer's ouster, the book shot to number one on the Amazon bestsellers list. In France, the country's education ministry has banned the use of gender-neutral language in schools. Natalie Alimus, the state secretary for priority education, said on Thursday that the attempts to make the language woke were, quote, a danger for our country and, quote, 
the death knell for the use of French in the world. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by My New Glasses uh, because they come from our friends over at Better Spectacles where they offer authentic German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear for the first time right here in the United States. It's a 144-year-old company, the world's gold standard with over 500 patents. Ronaldus Magnus himself, uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, he wore these glasses as well. Uh, They have expert opticians that specialize in difficult prescriptions, which we have more and more of today with so many of us looking at screens all day uh, in order to make a living. The good news is technology has now caught up with your difficult prescription. They can help you. Uh, and the result could be more energy, uh, less neck strain, the ability to help you see up to 40% better. Uh, so schedule a teleoptical appointment right now with our friends at betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Betterspectacles.com slash Steve. You won't have to leave your house. Better Spectacles, by the way, they're not just an online company with low quality offerings. Uh, they're just going to do what they do for you in person online with the same expert consultation as if you were sitting right there in their store with the best trained opticians in the country. And right now, they're offering our audience 61% off as an introductory price to get their Go Spec lenses plus free handcrafted rodent stock frames. Just visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve. That's what I'm wearing right now. Betterspectacles.com slash Steve. 61% off at betterspectacles.com slash Steve. We haven't done this before, or at least I can't think of having done it maybe at least in a while. Let's start from back to front with Aaron's montage today. Um, Let's start with France. So I just want to set a stage here. France now has already banned late-term abortions. In fact, the United States is one of only six countries in the world that still performs them. So in France, you cannot get a late-term abortion. They utilize nuclear power, and now they have banned... Uh, you imposing your pronouns in the schools in France in freaking France you have any, guys have any thoughts on that I think about what you've also said with Sweden and why they were able to see the science if you combine both of them perhaps this is the bottom there's there's no meaning they have all the power they want they look at the fact there's literally no-go zones for Islam inside of France, inside yeah. of Paris, right? Yes. And they realized, okay, we we, we, we got to start digging ourselves back up out of this yes. hole little by little, right? Yes. We just haven't hit the bottom yet? Correct. Okay. Right. You agree with that, Aaron, or disagree? See, I, I would have thought that about Canada as well. They elected, he wouldn't be conservative by our standards, but he is not a Justin Trudeau. Uh, and then they they threw him out in favor of the man child Trudeau. So I'm going to reserve judgment. I think I think human nature is. I think we have not yet begun to sink. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I I'm not sure what explains this. Well, Canada honestly. Canada is is a very prosperous country. Uh, their middle class is rivaling. Their middle class is threatening to topple ours. I mean, we've had since the stats been taken the most prosperous middle class median family income in the world. Canada is threatening that. So maybe now that they've got so much prosperity there, I mean, who's been voting for most of this pagan wokeism for the last 10 plus years since Obama? upper middle class. Yeah, the upper middle class. The wealthier you go, the more likely you are to vote for this stuff, right? Um, If you get fired 
from the military for opposing Marxism. Point of order here. Maybe it's not the bottom. Does that at least imply that our military is pro-Marxism? Yes. Yes. Is, is that not at least I'm an not, implication? Not I'm, not, I'm dead serious. I'm, I'm not, not either. I'm not either. If you're yes. fired for opposing Marxism, right? Like, if you guys decided, you know, we're, I'm, if one of you two decided, I'll just tell you this up front, and you know this. Maybe the audience doesn't. If one of you two up front were like, you know, I read one of Tommy Lahren's single-syllable screeds on Facebook and decided killing babies is okay. You know what I'd tell you the next day? You're fired. You're fired. You're welcome to that opinion, but you'll be getting another place of work. We're not doing that here. You're fired. Because what kind of show is this? It's a pro-life show, right? So you're fired. Um, We'll have guests that have varying opinions and things of that nature, but the show itself... It, it, one of its primary mission, missional issues is what? The life issue, right? Yeah. So if the military is firing officers because they're, they're against Marxism, how is that not at least an implication that the military mm. is pro-Marxism? Particularly since you juxt- if you juxtapose this to the commercials we showed with the CIA. Yes. Yeah. That's all cultural Marxism. Yeah. You know, cisgender, that's all cultural Marxist language. Aaron. Do you think if a commanding officer in the 1980s published a pro-communism book that he'd still have his job? He'd probably be a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Okay? It's where he would be. I mean... (laughs) He might actually, in the 80s, he might have ended up at Leavenworth. If he was pro-communism. Oh, pro-communism. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said, Auntie, I, I misunderstood. Yes, if he was pro-communism, um, yes. Leavenworth, if he was lucky. If he was lucky. Um, I, I don't know how to read that any other way other than a de facto endorsement from the U.S. military of Marxism. And whether it's even just, well, our viewpoints on it have become so varied and diverse that it upsets unit cohesion and integrity. That's not. That's, that's not. not comforting that's not either. comforting at all. That's the most innocent explanation, by the way. The most innocent explanation is we've imported this viewpoint within our ranks to the point that it could it could undermine even if we officially are not in favor of it, even if we officially oppose it. Still, it would it threatens to undermine unit cohesion and integrity. Therefore, having an officer step out with such a strong statement on the matter is problematic. That's to me the most innocent explanation here. Do you remember when? Remember I, the time they went after Tucker Carlson in the last month as well. Mm-hmm. This is all the language of cultural Marxism, guys. During the uh, BLM and Antifa riots, when we talked about the military, the need for the military to go into those places, and mm-hmm. I posed the question out loud, do you think Trump's maybe worried if they would not follow his orders? I remember when you said that last year, and I hadn't even considered it. It stopped me dead in my tracks when you asked that question. I think that's a viable point. I, I have probably gotten well over a dozen emails from enlisted people in the military in just the last month saying that essentially... The officer corps is gone. The command corps is gone. And essentially what they're describing is the Republican Party, uh, many churches in America, that, well, the grassroots is still strong. That's great, okay? But the creator did not establish human civilization. The chain of command does not come through a grassroots 
It comes through headship. That's how, that's the command structure of the creation. That there, there ultimately has to be somebody at the top that's the head who's ultimately, and, and with that, by the way, because the way, the way leadership works in God's economy is headship isn't measured by authority. That's how human beings do it, right? I'm in charge, so I get to impose on you. I get to force you to conform to me. That's, that's how human beings operate. But in God's economy, headship doesn't, doesn't denote authority. It does come with authority, right? But its primary, its primary metric is responsibility, Meaning that you are you're in that position because you're responsible for the people underneath you, and that's where the notion of servant leadership comes from. Because if I'm if I'm responsible for the performance of the people underneath me, I have to be somewhat empathetic with the people underneath me, right? I yeah. have to have a, a connection to them. I cannot just rule over them. I have to, on some level, there must be some connectivity between me and who I'm leading. Now, the, the human operation does, has never worked that way. Human, the human operation east of Eden, since about the third chapter of Genesis, has been consolidate as much power as we can in as many people's hands as we can. Might, make, might, might makes right. I mean, that's 6,000 years of human history is how that operates, east of Eden. But in God's economy, leadership comes with responsibility. Look at the way God gave leadership to Adam. I've given you dominion, responsibility, okay? You have responsibility to do what? To rule in my place as you as made in my image as I would. You're an ambassador, essentially. That's your responsibility. And then, of course, the serpent shows up and Adam takes responsibility and the world's been great ever since, right? Exactly. That's not what happened at all. Yeah, exactly. So... If indeed we're purging people from the ranks now for being vocally anti-Marxist, there are only two explanations for this near as I can tell. One is a flat out clear implication that the military is now pro-Marxist or the more likely explanation, so much of this cultural rot gut has been ingested into the military that just having somebody out there calling a spade a spade just is problematic for cohesion and integrity. I'm not particularly comforted by either one of those. In some respects, I'd almost just prefer it was just outright Marxist so we all knew where we stood and then we can fix the problem, right? You just had to start at the back of the montage, didn't you? <laughs> um, I saw this story on Saturday uh, about Israel bombing that office building. And... You know, you see the initial stories, and of course, the initial stories are all, it's just, well, this is where the Associated Press was located, right? So that, they come out with a big melodramatic statement and everything else. And then it's like 10 minutes later, I see in my Twitter feed, well, that's where Hamas was headquartered. For 15 years. Yeah, they, they just rent the building out last month because they were just running out of space, all right? They, they lived there for a while. What does the Hamas office space look like exactly? Um, apparently it looks a lot like the Associated Press's <laughs> office space. I sense there is some sort of comparison or or contrast or metaphor here. Right. I, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. If, if, if we found out 
child pornographers were renting space. If we found out um, Antifa, Antifa domestic terrorists were renting space here in the same office building we're in, would we stay here? No. No. Provided, well, of course, we confront the people that owned the building, right? And say, hey, I mean, do you know who's representing or who's you're renting out to? But we wouldn't sit here and share. I mean, we wouldn't share space with such fiends. We'd go we to another not. office building, right? We would not. Is that the only? I understand that we're you know we are dealing with an inferior culture here, uh, but is it possible that that's not the only office building in Gaza? Thoughts? I don't you know. Think? I think Taco Tuesday was especially good around that office building. <laughs> I'm I'm going to suggest, even though we're talking about an aspect of Islam that wants to party like it's 8.99 every year. They want to live in the eight, the ninth century every year. I'm going to posit, however, that in Gaza, that was not the only available office building. Now, it could be something similar to what I remember Jalen Rose saying when he played for my beloved Michigan Wolverines with the Fab Five. And he got busted one day. The Detroit cops came in when he was playing at Michigan. Detroit cops raided a crack house back when we still had cops in Detroit that did these things. The Detroit cops came in and raided a crack house. Found, I think it was Jalen, I think was upstairs playing like Nintendo or something. Okay. And th- and this became a big story. Now he tested clean and everything else. And and afterwards he, he was asked about it. He basically said, God, man, I'm from inner city Detroit, man. I mean, um kind of hard to have friends and not run into somebody doing crack that was basically his answer you know you're it's detroit you know the amount of people that don't smoke crack here is shorter than the amount of people that do you ever seen new jack city all right um that could be the associated press's defense could it not something similar guys i mean have you been here it is yeah, Gaza. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. I mean, it, it ain't the only office building in Gaza, but all of the others have Hamas headquartered there too. I mean, that that's a viable defense, is it not? There was nowhere else to go. It's right? better than anything I heard. It's from the them. only defense, and we're not saying it's a good one. It's plausible. It's the only one though that they have. I sort of felt like that that we were bearing the lead on that story. Right? A little bit. Uh, that uh, number the, the number one source for American journalistic ethics, the Associated Press. Straight up, was sharing office space with essentially 21st century Nazis. I mean, that's essentially what they were doing. Just 21st century Nazis, man. Just ride up the elevator. <sighs> Gonna be a hot one today. Yeah, I hear you. How many Jews y'all get? Oh, you know, busy weekend. Well, we'll get them in print. See you guys on the flip side. Right? I mean, what were those conversations like? Did you see the pictures people put together after this? Just people standing around a water cooler with a guy with a shoulder-mounted grenade on it? That was... Yes. Is it bad if a reporter who wants to tell you about all the subtleties and nuances of 50-plus years of strife in the region does not claims to not know that Hamas is in their building? Is that bad? I don't... I think it's kind of not awesome to use that terminology again. I, 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 I think it's not awesome. I, I, I will say that. I don't, I don't know. What we, are we allowed to call anything bad anymore? I don't know. I'll have to look at the AP style guide. <laughs> <laughs> that is very well played. Um, did anybody ask Mika 
if you're vaccinated, why are you concerned that someone on your staff is not vaccinated? Did anybody anybody ask that question or did it come up or no? No, it didn't come up. Aaron invoked the name Francis Collins. We've talked about him a little bit recently. I, I just want to reiterate for you. Whatever you may think of Anthony Fauci, and it's probably all right if it's negative, Francis Collins is one of the most decorated scientists in the world of this era. He spearheaded one of the most important scientific breakthroughs of this age. He has, in the past, spoken up in favor of his faith, of at least a theistic form of evolution, which I don't believe in, but given the station he's at, that's actually a pretty bold move where he is in the world Agreed. that he's located. Agreed. Okay. So if, if, if that guy, say whatever you want about Fauci and everything else, okay, but if that guy, think that guy doesn't know the science. Think Francis Collins is unaware that a loose-fitting cloth mask outdoors is not going to protect him from an airborne virus. Think he's thinks it's likely the guy who spearheaded the mapping of the human genome may know that. Do you think that's possible? At least remotely possible, do you think that he knows? Okay. Okay. If, if he's caught up, man. He's challenged some of his own peers on academic freedom and stuff in the past. Okay. I'm not, dude, I'm not, I'm not saying Francis Collins is Francis Schaefer, or I'm not saying that. But in that world, he's about the closest thing it's had in about 30 years. If he's caught up in this at that spirit of the age level, then I mean this thing is. If you were doubting us using this word whatsoever, no longer do so. It's full fledged cult. Imagine your current credit score. Now imagine your credit score with 30 or even up to 60 points added to it. Um, Not just a few. That's quite a bit. And ScoreMaster can help you at times. They do this with their average customer. Add about 60 points to their score in about three weeks or less. And yeah, that can be life-changing. That makes a big difference in whether you get that home, auto, or business loan you're looking for. And then even if you can get approved right now with your current score, could make a big difference in the terms of that loan and the repayment options and the interest rates available to you as well. ScoreMaster is simple and easy to use. Takes about a minute to get started. And you can do it right now uh, at ScoreMaster for free. And see how many points you could get added for free right now at scoremaster.com slash Steve. Again, that's scoremaster.com slash Steve. One more time. Give it a shot. Just takes a few minutes to find out. Scoremaster.com slash Steve. Well, we mentioned this earlier of having been to the, uh, the gorgeous city of Denver a few times myself. All of us have been there. And we have just been beyond flummoxed to learn over these last few years that there is apparently only one baker in such a large metropolitan area 
And we are pleased to have him join us now. The name of the book, The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. Jack Phillips joins us along with Ryan Denger over at Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, Jack, it's a good, it's a pleasure to have you with us as well as Ryan. Thank you for joining us, Jack. How are you? I'm just fine. Thanks for having me. So, so, so Jack, let me just start there. This is a question, frankly, I've wanted to ask you for years. How is it possible you are the only cake baker in the entire Denver, greater Denver metropolitan area? There were, there was nowhere else anyone could go to have a particular message that they wanted on a cake. Why are you the only option? Has the city of Denver thought about maybe encouraging other cake shops to open? No, actually in our Supreme Court briefs, there were 67 bakers who advertise in gay-friendly magazines. And uh, the city, county, state of Denver, uh, state of Colorado, uh, just chose to uh, attack me because of my beliefs. Let's start with the the most obvious question then. Why not just bake the cake? Why, why, why do what you did? Well, before my wife and I opened the shop, you know, in the years, months preceding that, designing it and deciding what kind of a bakery it would be, uh, we decided there would be certain cakes that we couldn't create because of the messages that they would express. Among those would be cakes that celebrated Halloween or cakes that would be anti-American or that would have um, racist statements involved or uh, cakes that would disparage or denigrate other people, including people who identify as LGBT. We also decided that uh, we wouldn't create cakes for same-sex weddings. Though back in 1993, that wasn't really on anybody's radar and it was against the law in Colorado. So you've been in business since 1993? Yeah, almost 20 years. Okay, Um, which means you have some form of a successful clientele. Yeah. You're so you're yeah, somewhat known in your industry. We were well known especially for our wedding cakes at the point, at that point. Yeah. Does that imply maybe that you were specifically targeted? I don't know that I was targeted, but I know that the uh, state um, came after me because of my uh, religious beliefs and uh, the message that I declined to express uh, didn't go with their uh, didn't coincide with the message they wanted expressed. Take us, can you walk us through the day that this original event, because you're undergoing another challenge now as we speak, correct? Right. We're in our third lawsuit. We were just in court at the end of March, and we're now awaiting the judge's decision on that one, which could come any day or in July. There's not a timeline. Um, But, uh, yeah, we uh, were open on, it was July the 12th or July the 19th, 2012, and two men came into our store and I sat down and talked with them and, and they indicated that they wanted a wedding cake and it was for their wedding. And so I knew that was a line in the sand that I couldn't cross and just how was I going to reply to that? So as gently and graciously as I could, I said, you know, sorry guys, I don't create cakes for same sex weddings. And they looked at me blankly like, what did you just say? I said, I'll make you cookies, brownies, other custom cakes, but I just can't create a cake for a same sex wedding. And the two men, one of them jumped up, flipped me off, swore at me and stormed out the door. And the other one left the other door after he, his mom was there. He gathered her up and they went out. 20 minutes later, the phone started ringing with hateful phone calls, threatening phone calls. And that was unabated for the next few days, few weeks, actually. Hmm. So you drew a very clear distinction with them. You said, hey, 
Um, it has nothing to do, regardless of how you want to identify, I will serve you as a customer. But, but when you demand a specific service from me that violates how I identify, I'm, I'm not going to use my own intellectual property and talents and gifts to do so. You made, a, you made that very clear to them at that moment, that that was the distinction. Yeah, I tried to. Our conversation was only about 20 seconds long, but I tried to indicate that I would create other custom cakes for them, sell them anything in my shop treat them as well as I treat anybody else, equally to any other customer. But they're asking for a cake that has a message that I couldn't express. And uh, the state, that's what they came after me for. Ryan, he's in his third lawsuit. What is this one about? Hey, Steve. So this lawsuit involves a challenge that was brought directly by a private citizen, an individual who asked Jack to bake a cake, celebrating a gender transition in this case. And you asked earlier, Steve, is Jack being targeted? Well, the answer is unequivocally yes. This individual testified and was very clear that the purpose of this lawsuit was to, quote, change Jack's thinking, to change his mind. Hmm. And, and earlier on in the case, this individual even made clear that if the case were dismissed, this person would simply bring another case the next day, would walk into Jack's shop the next day, ask for another cake, that this individual knew Jack wouldn't create and start the whole process all over again. So Jack is being targeted directly for his faith. There's no question about it. Jack, what's this ordeal been like for you and your family on a personal level going on nine years now? Uh, you know, getting the death threats and all those things, those are difficult. But then going back to this most recent trial in, in March, and the deposition that was held before that, most people don't know what a deposition actually is, but it's the opposing attorney having up to six hours to just cross-examine you basically and try and trap you in your words and twist your words and make you say something that you didn't intend to or whatever. And having to watch my wife go through that was incredibly hard because I had to just sit there with my hands folded on, on the table in front of me so that I couldn't be signaling her or anything. And then to go through the trial and watch the same thing where the, they cross-examine, where they examined my wife, made her testify, and my daughter. And then going back to the death threats, um, there was one that came in. My daughter was in the shop and it frightened me. So I told her, you know, Lisa, um, I just got this call. This man's got a gun. He's coming to the shop. He's going to blow my head off. I'm going to go, you know, call the police. You go in the back and wait until this is all straightened out. The police came and the man kept calling and we weren't able to trace it. But that changed, the, you know, the whole scene in our cake shop. We now have security cameras and those kind of things because it was a terrific ordeal. Besides the fact that the uh, uh, Colorado Civil Rights Commission ruled that from now on, if I make wedding cakes, I have to create them for everybody who comes in, um, same-sex couples or whatever, and I wouldn't even be able to have a say in what that design would be, meaning that if they wanted an adult-themed cake or a pornographic cake for their wedding, I could not tell them, no, I would have to create that. So we had to decide uh, whether we continued with our wedding business, which was a huge part of our business at that time, or set it aside. And the choice was obvious. You know, we have to give up our wedding business at this point. What's been your support system beyond your family? Um, my faith, obviously, you know, my faith in Jesus Christ, my relationship to him has been the, the strongest part. Um, my family has gotten stronger and you know, closer together through all of this. 
And then you have the support, incredible support of Alliance Defending Freedom, who defend their clients pro bono, meaning for free. They've never charged me a dime for anything that they've done over the last eight and a half years. And um, they run on donations. So if anybody has extra money, I'd say, you know, donate to them. That's a great cause because you're not just fighting for me. Because I learned a long time ago that this isn't about Jack making cakes again. This is about every American's right to live and work freely according to their conscience without fear of punishment from the government. And ADF has helped defend that, not just for me, but so many other clients. And we're just so grateful for that. Ryan, I want to go back to the Supreme Court win. When I, when I read that opinion, now I'm not an attorney, but I have read a lot of opinions from the Supreme Court over the years and analyzed them on my show. It appeared that the Supreme Court gave you a win from a very, very narrow perspective, meaning that the, the intent and original <clears throat> schema of the Constitution wasn't actually honored as much as they sort of found the way that they were persecuting poor Jack here to be icky. That they basically said, if you could come up with another rationale other than obvious religious animus, I think was the term that they used. If you come up with another rationale other than obvious religious animus, then by all means, I mean, put the boot to the throat if you would like. I mean, Jack's a ward of the state. Am I exaggerating that at all? Because it kind of seems like it's set the stage for the next two events that poor Jack here's had to undergo. Yes, Steve. Well, the decision of the court was narrow. There's no question about it. But it was a very important decision. So I would say it was a, it was a win, but it was incomplete. And we're witnessing now the the incompleteness of that decision, which is the question of whether what Jack is doing. Jack is agreeing and willing to serve everyone. He serves same sex couple. He serves same sex customers. He serves transgender customers. In fact, at the trial we just had, testimony came out that Jack. Do we lose Ryan? Do we still have Jack? All right. Yeah. Let's, all right, Jack, let me, go, let me bring it back to you. Yeah, the uh, statement that I think Ron was about to make was just at our most recent trial, a man who testified in my behalf, his name uh, was Mike Jones. He was a former gay activist who uh, was very important. And uh, he testified that I served him you know, for the number of years he came in. Um, initially, he introduced himself. My name is Mike Jones, and I'm a gay man. Hi, Mike, what can I do for you? And we've become friends since then, enough so that he went through a deposition and testified on our behalf because the way that I've always treated him fairly and equally and you know, as compassionate and graciously as I could, same as any other customer. What, what you're proving, Jack, is all of the talk of identity politics in recent years is a scam. That this is really about, this is really not about identity, about ideology. That it really doesn't matter if you treat everybody the same and love your neighbor as you love yourself, regardless of their behavior or ethnicity or identity or what have you, you must adopt and affirm my ideology. That's really what this is about. It's not about identity at all. It's been about ideology. Well, idolatry too, but it's been about ideology the entire time. Yeah, when the uh, Civil Rights Commission ruled against us, besides taking away our, our wedding business, they also told me that I had to re-educate my employees, which included a lot of family members. My daughter works here, my wife and I own it. And my mom works here also at that time, and she was in her 80s. And I was supposed to retrain her and then uh, report to the Civil Rights Commission quarterly for two years on my progress on this retraining and re-education program. But fortunately, my mom walked by one day and said, by the way, I will not be re-educated. So 
you know, thank you, Mom, for standing up as well. I love you. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, we have you back. I want to let you finish the point you were making before about the original Supreme Court decision. Go ahead. Narrow, and it was incomplete. It was an important victory, but there's more work left to be done. In this case that we're in right now really demonstrates that fact, and that is the question of whether what Jack does, create cakes using artistry that is pure, that is pure speech, whether Jack can be compelled to use those gifts, talents, and abilities to send messages with which he disagrees, and whether he can be compelled to do that through the power of the state. That's what's at stake here. And that's the question the court needs to consider, is whether or not Jack has a First Amendment right not to speak messages with which he disagrees. Ryan, do I have a First Amendment right to go to a, a Muslim cake baker in Dearborn, Michigan, and demand they bake a cake that says Muhammad was illiterate? Do I have a right to go to a black cake baker and demand um, that um, they bake a cake that says the KKK didn't go far enough? Do I have rights to do things like that, Ryan? Steve, you're asking the right questions, and those are exactly the things that we as lawyers pose to the courts. And the, and the answer to that is, of course not, uh, because the First Amendment protects the right of conscience for everyone, regardless of religion and creed. The First Amendment protects your right not to be compelled by the power of the state to speak messages that conflict with your deeply held religious and moral beliefs. Jack, what are your final thoughts for the audience? I've been warning them the last few years. If you aren't sure you are you have what it takes to stand in the gap in this against the spirit of the age we're up against, the good news is we're all going to find out. All of us are. Because that's that's what the spirit of the age is looking for. I mean, your life is a testimony to this, is it not, Jack? Again, this is not just about Jack Phillips and making certain cakes. This is about the right of every American to live and work according to their conscience without fear of punishment from the government. But for us, we before we opened the shop, we drew our lines in the sand and not thinking we'd ever have to fight these battles. But one of the cakes that we decided we wouldn't create would be cakes that celebrated Halloween. So every year, September, October, a number of people call us and ask us to create a cake that we can't create. and we'd have to practice it saying, I'm sorry, that's a cake we can't create. And so when these bigger issues like the same-sex marriage or the gender transition celebration came up, we were already prepared. And so God was gracious to give us you know, those opportunities early on to uh, learn how to stand up for our faith and uh, not cross those lines. And everybody will have those lines to cross. You just have to know where they are and if they're worth fighting for. Mm. This one is. Name of the book, The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in my cake shop, took me to the Supreme Court. Ryan Bangert from ADF, as well as uh, Jack Phillips, the one and only cake baker in Denver, Colorado. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much, Jack, for your stand, the example you set, brother. God bless. All right, take care. Thank you, Steve. It's been you a bet. pleasure. And thank you as well, Ryan. Gentlemen, do you have any thoughts on that conversation? Well, the year again, Steve, when did he open up his shop? He's been open. It's for, been, I thought you said 15 years, yeah. didn't he say, or 19 years, something yes. like that. It's substantial. Yeah. 93, yeah. Thank you. To me, everything was asked and answered before he even uh, said a word beyond that. He, he, it would be bad enough if he just came on the scene as a new guy in town mm -hmm. in this politically charged culture that would have been insane enough plays the jesus card and yeah, everything yeah, right yeah. away no no, he's, no, no, he's, no he's an institution there the they guy has is. been yeah. uh lovingly uh attending the needs of his community for a long time now this this is 
all a scam and has been from the get-go. Yep. The identity politics thing is a scam. It's not about identity at all. It's only about idolatry and ideology. Back with hour two live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todders and Aaron McIntyre. All of you let you, let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email the program Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for Steve Dace on MeWe Parlor. Yes, Parlor is back. And Gab. And don't forget, clips of the program can be found at YouTube.com slash Steve Dace or rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Also, don't forget, if you're a podcast listener, we thank you very much. Please leave us a five-star review and also uh, hit that subscribe button. If you haven't done those two things for us already, uh, please do so. They help the show to grow. We need all the help we could get. And we want to thank the thousands upon thousands of you that have done both of those or one of those two things already. Thank you very much. Want to thank... Um, Jack the Baker, the one and only cake baker in all of Denver, Colorado, for joining us last hour. He mentioned as well his gratitude for Alliance Defending Freedom in their effort to represent him all the way to the Supreme Court. Pro bono. And they do first-rate work there when it comes to religious liberty. So if and when you find yourself being targeted for your beliefs, just as Jack was, um, you can contact them And know that they have your back and the funding to do so because people like us have helped provide that funding at ADFlegal.org. That's ADFlegal.org. That's where you can go to donate right now a tax-deductible donation to help not just Jack but other cases like like that that are now all over the country. We're really talking about, you know, I would disagree with Ryan, the attorney from ADF, that says... We all constitutionally have a right to our own conscience. That may be what the Constitution says, but that's not what the government does. If you have wrong beliefs, you are not entitled to your conscience, and that's exactly why organizations like ADF uh, have uh, so many fights on their hands. So if you want to donate to help both Jack and others, maybe that other one day might be one of you. ADFlegal.org slash Steve. Again, that's ADFlegal.org slash Steve. Before we get to fake news or not, I want to impart a very important piece of true news to this audience because it's on the subject matter we're going to be addressing. So we've been doing this series for fake news or not, looking back at our book, chapter by chapter, our best-selling book, Fauci and Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. And before we get to Anthony Fauci's fake news. I want to give you some true news. This comes from our colleague, Daniel Horowitz, citing research from Tel Aviv University. That's in Israel. Tel Aviv University took a look at the question of vaccination versus natural immunity. They studied 6.3 million Israelis. Now, keep in mind, Israel had the most aggressive vaccination program in the world. 6.3 million Israelis. That's a pretty sizable case study, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a large sample size. 
what they estimated um, is that for those already infected. So yesterday we went to Costco and Walmart as a family. It's kind of funny now. Now that the mass, now everybody wants to go again. All right. So we went to Costco and Walmart as a family and our youngest Noah is 14. Now, of course, the, now they've removed all the mask stuff at Walmart. Costco still says, you know, we're just going to trust that you're vaccinated. Right. And I told our kids, um, if someone comes up to you because they just now approved the Pfizer vaccine for kids, our two youngest that are in that age group. I said, if somebody comes up to you and asks you, if, if you guys wander off or something on your own, they won't do it when I'm standing next to you, okay? But if someone comes up to you when you're on your own, you have to go to the bathroom or something, and says, hey, you're not wearing a mask. You guys, you're a little young to be vaccinated. You are to look at them and say exactly this phrase. This is exactly what you're to say to them, okay? It's okay no, it's okay. I have immunity. And just simply say that and nothing more. Just say that. Because you've all been exposed to this. So just say, it's okay. I have immunity. And then walk off. Do not engage in a conversation. Do not engage in a back and forth. If you feel, just say that and walk away and say nothing else. Now, why do you think I told them to say that? Why do you think I gave them that exact wording to say because of natural immunity yes that's why did i tell them to lie about whether they're vaccinated or not no no but did i tell them to tell the truth in a boaz kind of way um that certainly framed it in a more favorable light and setting well it would make the follow-up that would most likely come from a Karen on the other side, mm-hmm. very, very problematic for them. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, too, we get a vaccine because that you, you think you're getting what? Immunity. That's yes. the point of it, right? Okay. So Tel Aviv University in Israel uh, studied 6.3 million Israelis. And here's what this study showed. The estimated protection up to six months now, the estimated protection from those already infected was 94.8% from reinfection, 96.4% from severe illness. That was the natural immunity for up to six months. For the vaccinated immunity, here's what it found. 92.8% for reinfection, 94.4% from severe illness. Now, those are still, by the way, Phenomenal numbers for the COVID vaccine's performance in Israel. You're an anti-vaxxer. You even say those are that's those that those are that's phenomenal numbers. Yes. Right? Now whether we're not again, you have to. Look, that's a different argument about whether it justifies the risk of taking it freely. That's we're having a separate. That's a that's another calculation. But should this kind of math be in your calculation? Yes. Yeah. That's those are really good numbers. Those are really good numbers. They're also though inferior to the natural immunity numbers. All right. So I mean that that's pretty close to some of the efficacy claims that Big Pharma has has made about their vaccines. All right? Um so 92.8% that you would not get reinfected, 94.4% that you would 
you not get a severe illness from COVID-19 with for up to six months of protection with COVID vaccination in Israel. But 94.8%, you wouldn't get reinfected, and 96.4%, you would not get severely ill again via natural immunity. What is it that Fauci and the like keep leaving out of their herd immunity calculations? Which could explain why they've been so wrong. Because we here's what's happened in the last few weeks. Right now, hospitalizations collectively in America, as of this weekend, were at their lowest for COVID since last September. And I will guarantee if we check that trend line today or tomorrow, given where it was at, it would be the lowest we've ever had, given the trend line we were at. We have seen... Excess mortality in America has has um, returned to pre-pandemic levels and cases, depending on how you want to measure it, are down anywhere from 76 to 85 percent. Now, you the vaccination program has played some role in this. You look at a large state like Florida, which has the second largest elderly population in America. 83% of their seniors are fully vaccinated. So that would clearly play in a a state like Florida, right? Yeah. Clearly. But we're talking now collectively the entire country. Aren't we having a big argument right now about people aren't taking the vaccine, not enough people are getting it, right? Yes. Now they've realized they need to incentivize it. So now the new message is, if you're vaccinated, take the mask off, go back to normal. If you're not, you can't, right? Okay. So is it has it played some role in this process? It has. Has it played a primary role in this process? No, it has not. Has it played an insignificant role? No. Has it played a significant role? Yeah, but we could debate what's significant. 10%, 25%. But we cannot debate, though, is it's not the driving force of this. So then what is? Well, we hit a herd immunity threshold. That's what it is. And when that happens, it's a brick wall and it's now in retreat. And yet, our CDC, our infectious disease expert, Anthony Fauci, you never hear them talk about natural immunity at all. At all. I mean, they could at least say, well, you still may we, we still may want to consider vaccination six or twelve months down the line. They could at least do that, right? As a virus mutates or something like that, right? right? They won't even do that. It's like it doesn't exist. It's like it does not exist. So there's three options. They just want to lie to you for authoritarian purposes. Um, they suck at this somehow got to be the heads of CDC and NIAID ID without ever attending seventh grade, you know, uh, life science. I mean, that, I guess throw that in there as an option. Okay. Or the third is they, they highly suspect the virus is partially or wholly synthetic and therefore are not sure about what precedents of, of virology, immunology, and biology are applying to this particular outbreak. But here's the problem. If you want to give them C as a benefit of the doubt, here's the problem with that, though. We have data now. 
like wouldn't now be the time to acknowledge natural immunity as you're rolling back all these restrictions and dumping the mask wouldn't if you were really going to do a real gaslighting and get really good at it right wouldn't this be the time to just kind of sheepishly say oh man those natural immunity numbers just blew us out of the water along with along with the vaccination program and that's and that's our new science of why we can because Rachel Walensky said hey we got new science did she cite any science and that to my she knowledge. cited no examples of whatsoever none for this new evolving science this would have been the moment if they were going to do it if they were good at this like really sinister okay this would have been your moment for a perfect gaslighting this would be the moment we now acknowledge we now acknowledge natural immunity and that along with the success of the vaccine vaccine program is why we are we are able to now give you your lives back but we got to warn you natural immunity this thing could mutate more in the future that is true right it could yeah. natural immunity isn't forever that's right that is true right now there there's other forms of natural immunity like t-cell immunity that can last for years and years and years how strong that would be up against something that may not be natural and synthetic. Do we know that? We don't know that. Why? Because we've only been studying this thing as our own within our own country prevalently for about a year. So we really don't know. We know what T-cells do against other coronaviruses. There was a study in Singapore that found up to 17 years of immunity there. But this is a novel coronavirus. It's possible it may only be a year, two, three, three months, six. We don't know. But this would have been the moment if they were good at this and really sinister. This would have been the moment to rectum barely knew him. Hey, we found natural immunity hanging out in the corner over there. We got it. There's the natural immunity. Throw that in there now and then use that as your pitch to say, but we want to warn you, you may not need the vaccine now, but six, 12 months from now, you might want to get tested again. Who knows how long your natural immunity lasts? That that would have provided some credibility. That had been a tough argument for us to argue against, right? If that, that would have been a legit argument. Yes. That would have been like a real professional level gaslighting, right? But they didn't do any of that, did they? No. No. So you kind of can't give them that benefit of the doubt, can you? No, you you can't, and I won't. No, you can't. All right, let's get to fake news or not. All right. It's chapter four, President Fauci. This is kind of a lamentation. It starts off. the whole book of Yeah, well, this one in particular, as I went back, uh, went over it. it. It starts off setting the stage by what the Trump economy was like pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. So I start along those lines. Fake news or not, Steve, the pre-COVID Trump economy had a lot of positives, but it left the poorest Americans behind. That's complete fake news. Um, We had seen the greatest... Um, earnings growth actually in the in the lower economic classes at that particular point in time manufacturing up 3.6 percent double of obama 7 million uh off of food stamps wages for lowest 10 percent up 7 percent black and hispanic unemployment at a record low and income inequality fell by largest amount in over a decade yeah i mean this was this this was the strongest economic this was the strongest economic boom we had had since at least at least the dot-com boom at the end of the 20th century, which was a combination of um, both um, Republicans in Congress and President Clinton running balanced budgets. Doesn't mean that we still had deficits, but they were running a leaner government along with the advent and ascendancy of a whole new transforming industry and all of the wealth and jobs that were created as a result. That convergence, this economy would rival that, what we had done. 
or what he had, what to, his administration. To the extent you believe in nefarious purposes behind COVID, that constituency that I just described, mm-hmm. who do what does that paint a picture for in terms of likely voters for which party, the Democrats or the Republicans? Uh, not the Democrats. Yeah, I mean, all who. who <laughs> I said all. I, I was saying at this time last year. Donald, you're not getting reelected with 40 million people unemployed, right? And that's just never, no one is. That's never, ever happening, ever, unless you just rig the election. But we did have something at the end of the election that we have never had either. Um, th- there's only one president, since we've been keeping this stat, who saw in a decrease in the unemployment rate, the last report before the, co- the, the election and lost. It was Gerald Ford in 1976, but it, but guys, he wasn't ever elected president. So I just think you can't, I don't think that's, and you can't look at that as a precedent at all. No one, no one voted Gerald Ford into the presidency. He wasn't even on the ticket. Remember Spiro Agnew resigned, all right? And so he was appointed vice president and then just handed the presidency when Nixon resigned. So there, he had no base is what I'm trying to say. There, there was no base of people that voted, millions of people that voted for Gerald R. Ford to be president of the United States. So comparing that and that situation to this, I, I just don't think they're analogous. So I think that I would say that this is the first time this has ever happened in contemporary politics because we did see. In fact, when you guys asked me last September what I thought the unemployment rate had to be for Trump to get reelected as we were starting to reopen again. I think I gave you a number that I thought was probably not achievable, but somewhat realistic if everything went right. Went right. I, I can't remember what it was. I just remember th- when we got that unemployment report in October, it was lower than what I told you guys it had to be. It actually, they overperformed it, actually. Steve, fake news or not, the Trump-Pence 30 days to slow the spread kept the press from terrible coverage because they saw he was making a good effort. <laughs> Did you write that with a straight face when you when you said you wanted jotted that down as a question to ask? Or did you just think I, I just needed a layup in my old age? Uh well, I I couldn't possibly have done it with a straight face considering the example that uh, you cite in the book. What what book in particular do you remember citing in this chapter that came out? about Trump's performance as it relates to COVID. You're going to have to remind me. I cannot remember. Rage by Woodward. Oh, that Bob Woodward book. That's yes. right. Yeah. That he had undersold the virus and everything yes. else. Yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not. I think that one is self-evident. I don't have to answer that one. But it's, uh, that's why it's amazing. And In- I think, and I do believe that's the worst that's the worst management decision in the history of the United States presidency was 30 days to slow the spread. That's my point. We're all looking at the same set of facts these days and drawing exactly opposite conclusions. You, he, Your argument all along has been this has been a ridiculous, unscientific mm-hmm. safety dance that mm-hmm. he did and torpedoed his presidency Bob Woodward is looking at the exact same set of facts within the same time period and saying Trump was was just like throwing bodies into the fire. It's it's remarkable. And this is a guy again. He's not some woke twenty three year old journalist who just arrived on the scene. Bob Woodward has been as part of the cult. I mean, the the, the ability for people to pull themselves out of the gravity pull 
of the nonsense on this has been, there's no compare in all of American history. Far be it for a kid uh, who barely made it at a community college to be, it was born to a 15 year old mom to dare question one of the inspirations for all the president's men. Okay. Or to dare, to dare challenge his throne of eminence. But a year later with the data we have, who was correct? The kid born to the 15-year-old mom who barely made it out of community college or the, the great and esteemed um, Bob Woodward? Who was right? The former. Yeah, uh, exactly. So there it is. Steve, fake news or not, it is possible for Fauci to have done a good job as leader of COVID effort while still saying, quote, the U.S. response to coronavirus is among the worst in the world. I, I, those things just aren't reconcilable. I mean, I, I remember when he said that last year, we pointed out in the books. I mean, that's fake news, too. I, I, remember, I remember when he said it last year. Dude, you're running the response. You're doing it. You're doing it. And I, I, what, what ultimately happened here politically is, is Donald Trump ended up the guy who had unforeseen and spectacular at times, political success, just playing the contrarian move against conventional wisdom on everything. I never, I remember being on the Cruz campaign, the South Carolina debate, and I'm watching Trump basically go, Bush lied, people died. In, in the state that has one of the largest populations of retired military in the nation, and I'm thinking on Cruz's team, I'm like, man, thank you for doing stepping on that rake. We might pull this thing out. Do we finish like a distant third? It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Okay. It didn't matter. And, and, but then when faced with this particular crisis, Trump fell for the classic Republican trope. Right? George H.W. Bush, given the crisis of the deficit. Right when he inherit after he inherited the greatest economic recovery in American history, basically faced with the crisis of the deficit, uh, and after his pledge to not raise taxes, I'm going to raise taxes, but it'll be just for deficit reduction. Right? How many terms did George H. W. Bush serve in the White House? Todd, how uh, many? one, one, yeah. How about George W. Bush? I'm going to suspend the free market principles to save the free market at the end of his presidency. Right. Yeah, he left with a lower, the lowest approval rating in the history of the Gallup poll, 26%. And we got Barack Hussein Obama and Space Cadet Pelosi for speaker because of that, right? How about John McCain? Don't use Barack Obama's middle name. You're racists. All that. I mean, I could, we could do whole shows of John McCain making this mistake. How many terms in the White House did he serve? John McCain? Yeah. That would be zero. That would be as many as you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Millions of people standing out in front of a Chick-fil-A. Hell, probably at least a third of them actually are in favor of gay marriage. They just hate the idea of someone telling you what you get to think and say and believe. Millions of people standing outside of, a, of, of every Chick-fil-A in America waiting to be registered to vote in the next election. Politico goes to Mitt Romney and gets his thoughts. And what does he say? Well, that's not a part of my campaign. How many terms did Mitt Romney serve in the White House? Also as many as me. Also as many as Aaron, in fact. Yeah, and he's not even constitutionally eligible to be president yet. Yeah, zero. Yeah. See a trend line here? I do. This is the classic GOP failure theater trope. 
whenever they fall for the crisis canard or align with the narrative of the enemy, they always lose every single time. Trump trumped all of these people I'm just, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm just mentioning, all of them, by not doing that. And yeah. it served him quite well, did it not? And if we're going to be brutally honest, yeah. once he became president, it served a lot of us quite well. We were living, the country was in better shape, was it not? Right. But then, when, when the first real crisis, every presidency faces one. That's the job. Okay. It's like Angela um, Bassett says to Tom Cruise in the last Mission Impossible movie. Or she actually says it to Alec Baldwin. Well, I mean, if if they had not broken protocol, they all would have been dead. And she says, I know. That's the job. Okay? Crisis is the job. That's that's the job of being president. Is things will happen beyond your control. And what did he do? He fell for the 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 same Republican trope. Let me bring this guy in, the softer side of Sears. The media likes him, the blue states like him. Everybody will unify and we'll put up a professional front. Right, right, right. It it singed, singed his presidency, ended it. It ended it. It's a trap. Yeah. Yeah. Every single time. Every single time. Never fails. A couple more in the short time we have remaining. Fake news or not, Steve, we, the Steve Day Show, did not call for Fauci to be fired until the middle of the summer 2020. I think that's true. Did we? Oh, no. It was far, Oh, it was earlier. Okay. It was much earlier. You're being way too humble. Am I? And that's the reason I set this up. I was like, I wanted you to... Wow. We were even more ahead of the curve then than I thought. Okay. We were were calling for it already in April. Were we really? Yeah. I think it was in March, actually. Yeah. Wow. It is interesting to see a whole bunch of people now that that were perfectly fine with shows like ours taking all the slings and arrows a year ago and haven't done anything whatsoever to push back on this narrative whatsoever Mm -hmm. in the last year are now suddenly all over the fire Fauci bandwagon. And we were calling for it in April because of what you just said. You hire an expert to do a job. The expert is turned into a demigod for and you're allowing you know, him to do now, these we, things, we put a but you're still being blamed. Yeah. That level of disconnect was an uh-oh right at the beginning. I remember now we put out a video on social yeah. media. It might have been our most watched video of all time. I had completely forgotten about that. Well, lastly, and this bottom line is the whole thing. Fake news or not, Steve, the 2020 election was in fact stolen. Trump stole it from himself. Well, even if you don't buy into Dominion machines and mail-in voting and all that other th- stuff, there is no question that Donald Trump snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, that handing and abrogating his presidency to Anthony Fauci set the stage. At the very least, even if you don't believe those things, it ended whatever opportunity he had to get back control of this issue and get back on the offensive governing the country. And if you do believe in, 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 in those theories about what happened in the election, and I am someone who adamantly does not believe Joe Biden legitimately won the election. You then have to understand then what sowed the seeds for those events to occur. That chicanery to occur was the shutting of the country down. For decades, we have successfully thwarted their attempts 
to, to have these sorts of voting tactics because we knew what they would do with them in the places that they did it with when they had control. We knew that they would do this in every election. That's why we fought them on this all the time. And this was the sh- this was the moment where they were able to justify it. Hell, in some states, like your former home state, the Republicans actually in the legislature Correct. imposed it on everybody. Whoops. Okay. So is does any of that happen without a national quarantine? No. No, we had seen over 30 states actually pass voter ID laws in the last few years. It was trending the other way on that issue. In fact, this was like a 60, 70 percent polling issue. All right. So we lost 20 years of ground on fighting against their attempts to delegitimize the voting process. We lost 20 years of ground on that in, a, in just a couple of months. And it set the stage for whatever the Sam Hill was, was ha- happened on November of the 3rd last year. It happened because Donald Trump walked away and handed his power to Anthony Fauci and he never fully really ever got it back, ever. Correct. That's it. Aaron, what are your thoughts? The serendipitous timing of, of this particular conversation today when the mask is truly, truly, truly falling off of Anthony Fauci. And you're just, though, kicking yourself. All of the things, all of the injustices that have been perpetuated and perpetrated against the American people over the last year plus in the name of, of um, keeping everyone safe. All those things are true. But it doesn't change the fact of where this conversation ended. It could have been avoided. It could have been avoided by somebody who um, was, was maybe able, able to see through that at the very beginning. But it is what it is. Hopefully we come out on the other side a little bit smarter and, uh, and a little bit uh, more sly. Pop Culture Tuesday is next. Cookies and cream, caramel brownie, double chocolate, German chocolate. Then there's the specialty flavors, uh, coconut brownie chunk, chocolate chip cookie dough. If you've never tried Built Bar before, you're really missing out. It is the best protein bar you have ever had. I promise you, you have not had a better protein bar than this. And it doesn't have the chalky taste or texture. In fact, it tastes and feels exactly like a candy bar, which is why I like to call it the most nutritious candy bar you've ever tried. All right. Um, All of them, except for the really decadent flavors like chocolate chip cookie dough, have just three to five net carbs, three to five grams of sugar. And the decadent flavors like chocolate chip cookie dough, they have like seven grams of sugar seven net carbs so all the protein and fiber you're looking for without any of the sugar fillers fatteners all those other things as well if you've got an incurable sweet tooth like me as we get set now for things getting back to normal theaters everything else and you're like how do i avoid all that stuff go to built bar right now builtbar.com b-u-i-l-t i promise you won't regret it get 15 percent off your first or next order If you want to try it again, because you're smart like that, first or next order, when you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code DACE for BuiltBar.com. Get 15% off with the promo code DACE. So as we continue on with me posing questions 
and pondering things and debating topics. When I got into this business 15 years ago, I would have full-time activism. I would have never thought, wow, we're going to be debating this one day. And yet, here we are, pretty much debating all the things I never even thought we would never debate that weren't even on my radar. And as we delve now into Pop Culture Tuesday, when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism, I'm going to pose a question that I just go back. Dude, forget your 2012 self. Go find your 2019 self and see if you would even have contemplated the time would come when you would have a debate over this. We will pose that question, though, after you watch this. Like Biden and the administration, which is white steps and restaurant funds in a lot of states that have come about, but it's far too late. I mean, you can't help a restaurant who's already out of business and close the doors. So the book has sort of been written on a lot of the COVID stuff. If you're lucky enough still be in business, they need help because you can't just press go and act like, you know, suddenly you can save what was a year of telling people to close their doors. Um, but, you know, I, I'm in the, again, cities will come back as long as they're allowed to have customers, have people, because for most parts, most cities are resilient in the United States. The voice you just heard is really one of the most successful entrepreneurs of the last few years. Dave Portnoy, fellow Michigan fan, by the way. Uh, Dave Portnoy, the founder and president of Barstool Sports, which is, I mean, it's it's essentially... If 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 Spicoli and George Will had a kid, all right, like these are serious sports guys. They like know their numbers. You know, George Will's like one of the considered the pioneers of they used to be called rotisserie league baseball, but a fantasy baseball stuff like these guys know their stuff. All right. I mean, don't let the F bombs and all that other stuff. I mean, I'm not saying it's that's for everybody, but don't assume some level because of the crudity that they actually don't know sports they do they they really know their stuff um they just talk about it often in the way spicoli would have all right so that mixture of like real sports analysis with a bunch of um howard stern-esque r-rated crudities created a potent brand in sports media it's a highly successful company but because of even in our more lenient age, the way they communicate still can't get you on the public airwaves almost anywhere in America, right? right? I mean, this is still, despite their success, it is still largely a niche product. And I would guess a lot of the people, if not even a vast majority of people in our audience have never even listened to it before, okay? So we're talking about a large but niche audience. Who has a larger, so successful entrepreneur, right? Yes. Large plat, large platform. Yes. But niche platform, right? Yes. Okay. Who has a more, who has a larger platform? The Christian Church in America or Barstool Sports? I, I, it's the church easily, right? Okay. Who has clearly the broader platform? The church. The church. Yeah. Who clearly, now, now Barstool, this is not what they typically do. He just did this organically, frustrated with what was going on with Fauci in the country last year. And Portnoy just did this, you know, collective fundraising effort 
this crowdfunding effort just spur of the moment organically in response as an entrepreneur he knows how hard it is for you know to keep a business afloat to be successful he just did this spur of the moment he had to create all the infrastructure and messaging he had to create this all in real time right all right which institution already has this kinds of infrastructure in place and does it daily church. the church does so with those findings of fact let me propose a question I would have never guessed one day we would seriously consider on this program. On our show, we believe COVID stan is the greatest threat on our shores since Pearl Harbor. In fact, one of the early viral videos we did on COVID pushback last year, if I recall, referred to it and compared it as to a cultural Pearl Harbor. As I, do you guys remember yeah, that? of and, course. Um, I mean, think of even 9-11. We were somber, sullen for a week. That was the early in the college and pro football season, early September, right after Labor Day. Everybody took a week off, and then like all the stadiums and everything were all just sold out the very next week. And we largely went back to normal, you know? Yeah. And then we got up one day. On a, it was actually on a Saturday. I was at my in-laws at the time. They still lived in Michigan, and we were watching the Michigan-Penn State game together. It was in, and they broke in in the middle of the game. We, you know, about a month later is when we launched our uh, counter assault on Afghanistan. But unless you had a loved one serving, did you really feel that as an American on a daily basis? And not, unless you were living in New York City or knew someone who was there in those towers, or you were, or you had a loved one being called to serve again and 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 again again. Then everybody else, though, did you feel it? No. No, you did not. You were back at work and everything else. Did you feel this, though? Yeah. Are you still feeling it? Yeah. Yeah. So is it crazy to say it's the greatest th threat we faced on our native shores since Pearl Harbor? Is that nuts? No, not at I all. I don't think it is at all. So was there ever a moment, therefore, this much collective suffering? What institution is uniquely equipped? And I would argue, and I think you guys would agree with me, divinely ordained and charged with stepping into the gap and providing relief of suffering and guidance and pushback against those who would impose unnecessary suffering. What institution is uniquely equipped and charged with that responsibility? Church. The church. Huh. And it's got about a, what, a, a two millennia head start here on yes, Old Dave does. Portnoy? I mean, we all, whether you like his product or not, you have to respect the man's entrepreneurial ability, fair? Yeah. Okay. None of us would dare, dare undo un anything to call into question Dave Portnoy's ability, uh, entrepreneurial abilities, right? No. But he's also up against an institution that's global that has a two millennia head start on him. Absolutely. That's kind of hard to overcome, no matter how it good of an be. entrepreneur you are. Yeah. And yet... Can we sit here and say today, here's the question. Has David Portnoy done more to push back on tyranny and relieve people of the suffering from it here in the United States for the last year, collectively, than the entire Church of Jesus Christ has done? The fact that we As have... an, I'm, an I'm not meaning individual believers. I'm talking on an institutional level. 
right? Because a lot of you people that are running for your school boards and everything right now in your communities would count yourself probably in that group somewhere, right? So I'm talking on an institutional level, meaning that David Portnoy did not just go off on his own and start this for fun. The entire, he's, he has mobilized the entire, entire bar, bar stool network to this cause to generate a $40 million um, charity for, to help these businesses out. Uh, so I'm talking institutionally, institutionally, let me, so let me, let me even rephrase it then. Institutionally, who has done more to push back on the tyranny and help relieve the suffering as the result of that tyranny in America for the last year? Barstool Sports or the Church of Jesus Christ? Who's done more? Barstool. I don't even think it's close. Barstool. I don't even mm-hmm. think it's close. I don't know. I, th- I thought I saw several press releases from the SBC and all of the all of the synods of the Lutheran Church and the Presbyterians, you know, just decrying uh, the encroaching tyranny. Oh, that never happened. You're summing up the reason why until Lent of this year, I would not take my family back to Mass. It had nothing to do with being afraid, uh, but I was not going to march them in. You were ashamed. You yes. weren't afraid you were ashamed. And I, they were, I didn't want them. I, I could... And listen, to, again, I'm Catholic. The, the the sacramental nature of it, it, it there's a different application therein than it is, uh, Stephen, to, to stay away from that. You know the gravity of which, I, at least I agree or disagree, but the gravity of which of the things I was weighing and measuring. I, I, I withheld them from those graces because I did not want to see the weakness and the cowardice and the place where I tell them, here, it is because of this that this notion of be not afraid has power, real power. I, I, I needed to protect them uh, from that lie. And Dave Portnoy, and again, there's a, and that's one reality, but the broader reality, and this goes before there was even a COVID, and this speaks beyond Catholicism to the church more broadly. But listen, for all his crassness, particularly in terms of um, masculinity, listen, Female sexuality. Female sexuality. Listen, it, 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 but Although those it, could be one in the same, depending on how you want to look at it. But I hear you. It's very, very clear. There's a difference between, uh, men and women and it is fundamental. They, trust me, Dave Carnegie, important, I believe it is fundamental to existence. Now he needs some polishing, but I think we he, both agree. David Portnoy had, holds in high esteem the differences between men and women, if you know what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, his appreciation for what he does with risk in multiple aspects of his life, of, of uh, uh, using his gifts in a way that not only suits himself, but benefits others. Do you, that first rant when he came out, and it was pretty early, Steve, you might remember the date. Yeah. I don't know. But he- it, we had, The date is cited in yes. our book, Fauci and Bargain, but it was about this time last year. It was early on. Just, and it, it wasn't just, just kind of a, well, maybe he- No, he was angry. He said, what are you doing? What are you people doing in the name? It's when we went from 30 days to slow the spread to we have to have zero COVID now. We have to hide out until there's a vaccine now. Yeah, and he said at that time, this is what's going to happen. And now in what we showed you, he's telling you that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. So again, just in terms of reality, and this is again why before COVID even came along, I was talking to you, once you believe in more than two genders, you're going to believe in anything you go into a lot of your churches today and you will just see the unraveling of reality just like Thanos snap happened 
and you can see the people before your very eyes turning into those black particles of dust. It's happening in our churches. It's happening because of our churches, because not only will they not let the lion out of the cage, that lion is in a cage, shackled around all four limbs, emaciated, never fed. That's why. So go ahead, Aaron. You'll know you'll know a tree by its fruit. I'd say you know they raised all Barstool raised around forty million dollars. Forty million dollars—that's a huge chunk of change for their business relief fund. It's a huge chunk of change, but it's not the money here because I know of a I know of a church here in town whose giving actually went up last year. Mm-hmm. A major church, uh, church in air quotes. That church, last I checked, and it was not that long ago, still is not doing a regular, full-length worship-through-song service at their church because of COVID fears, because singing longer apparently increases the risk of the virus. It's what you're talking about, the fruit that they're bearing of actually saying, no, uh, it's not the most, it's not preeminently important but work, living life, these things are important. Where where were churches as an institution? Where was the church as an institution last year? What fruit do they have for that? Now, individual churches, I mean, I just met a guy uh, a couple of weeks ago coming out of church who watches our show, uh, said, you know, we just started coming to your church about six weeks ago. Uh, our church still is not after the COVID thing, still not back to normal. Um, Christmas. What, what sort of fruit is that? So there are, on an individual basis, mm-hmm. yeah, there are some good stories, there are some bad ch- stories, but we're talking high level here as an institution. Where were the big voices? Who, do you know who the big voices are that represent? I mean, I guess you could point to the SBC. Where were they? MacArthur tried pushback. That's He's true. one of the biggest voices. He yeah, did, give true. him credit. Yeah. I'm sure there were some others, but the fact that we just can't give you a list of 10 or 15 of them and we were on the cutting edge of the story tells you all yeah. you need to know. Yeah. And really, even with MacArthur, and I'm not trying to downplay him, but he'll tell you, he'll he'll tell you as well, it was really after his church body, actually, individual mm-hmm. members started showing up that he was like, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to push back now. You know, trying to sell your home in any environment can be challenging. That's why you want to make sure you sign up with a real estate agent who comes in and takes charge of the situation but knows ultimately who's in charge, which is you. Finding that person navigating in this unprecedented environment can be very, very difficult. That's why you want to make sure you find an agent that you can trust. And where would you find them? Well, the name kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com is where you can go to find an agent. Some of them are just people like you right here in this audience. So they have the same values you do that are successful at this. Proven vetted track records of success. Otherwise, they would not be listed on the site. So just about anywhere you want to escape to, I'm sorry, uh, move to, uh, we can help you probably at realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, the name of the website kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You know, you wonder sometimes, why does God choose somebody as, as licentious, debased, or profane as Samson to tear down the temples to the fish demon Dagon and plunge them into the dirt? I don't know. Did... Any of the nice guys married to one woman, you know, that, you know, that any of them go to temple and beat their fist against their chest and demand, God, send me to do something about this Philistine menace. They didn't do it, did they? 
Probably not. Probably not. So I guess he had to choose a guy like that to do it instead. John 3, 17. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.